All right, it's that time, folks. It's time for the return of Euphoria, the podcast about all things EULCS. I'm your host, Daniel Dracos, joined as always by Martin Deficio Lunga. This week, we want to talk EU Masters and the amateur scene, uh, as well as looking into kind of how people find new talent, what Europe looks like, and uh, setting some expectations for MSI and, of course, our representatives at MSI Fanatic. To do this, we have two special guests. First, it's the man behind the madness, the conductor of chaos, coach of the unicorns of love. It is Sheepy. Welcome, Sheepy. Hello. Nice. Love it. Second is... Great intro. I love love it. it. Returning to the show is a man of many talents, most of them related to fashion. Uh, call him an outcast because he's fresh, he's clean. It's Yamato Cannon. How are you doing, man? I'm doing good. Where's the welcome? I didn't get a welcome. Welcome. No, and you Yamato scripted this entire intro. I did. He's actually <laughs> reading it right now. I, I can am. tell you what the <laughs> because, next thing is. Because, no, <laughs> no, guys. No, no. Best stories from your off-season, question mark. <laughs> Look, the issue was we never scripted it, and then you would always flame me when we came on. You'd be like, wow, this time you said, ladies and gentlemen, what do you... A nerd presenting you every time you I've never me. said that. You have. Also, I think it's very rude. You start the show by saying Yamato only has one talent, which is I looking said, good. He's a professional coach. Look, I don't care if the man is like 100 of his talents are coaching. That's great. That's 100 talents in coaching. Good job. But like 500 of them are picking out flower pattern shirts to look baller on stage. <laughs> I'm not saying that he doesn't have coaching talent. I'm just mm-hmm. saying there's a lot of fashion talents. But as you noted... Next line in the script <laughs> for those of you keeping up. Uh, yeah, let's talk about the offseason. Like, what have you guys been up to? What are your, uh, I, yeah, I was going to get to best stories. I was going to try to say, like, a little more casually than that. Get oh, involved. I thought we were supposed to just keep reading. No, no. <laughs> should, I, should I answer this? Read the script. The script. Read, read the script. Right? What? Man, this is I your line. Right time. I wasn't you. <laughs> you I missed the fish you on Draco. <laughs> yes. Good, good. Yeah, I mean, I went to you Masters, and otherwise I was just... Yeah, working actually with the guys as well, like since two weeks already. So we are we're back in the start quite early. Any uh, anything else you might have been doing that we uh, may have heard about? Have you been uh, speaking to a microphone uh, any for chance? any other purpose? Well, I I had this guy Trevor, you know, good friend of mine, quick shot, yes, and he was like inviting me over to EU Masters, and he actually told me that I could cast. So I was like, ah, okay, alongside quick shot might be really interesting. Um, cool, cool, you mentioned cool, EU Masters. Cool. There's the other thing that you're doing though that we're trying to get you to talk yeah, about that we think is cool. Also involved a microphone. Uh, talk is about it dubbing. It. Is dubbing a movie? You're dubbing a movie. You're dubbing a movie. Which dabbing. movie? Tell the people. We're I thought you said dabbing. First. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I'm addicted. I'm I have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to fix it, but it's not working. Yeah, I was actually invited by by um, 20th Century Fox uh, to speak in Deadpool 2 in German Deadpool with Exile. Two. Yes, uh, I don't know the the opening. Uh, damn, I should have uh, prepared the you know the opening speech. Like, go guys, watch it. It's opening in the blah blah blah. Yeah, in the yeah. Movies Promoting out. the movie. Damn. <laughs> hey guys, don't watch it in English. You'd never want to do that yes. here in Germany. That, that's the problem. Listen to the German dub. But the the story behind it is awesome because we got like the the job over um, you know, over like three different corners and uh, I go to the dubbing studio and I was like okay this is pretty easy because I'm super self-confident and a little bit cocky in my in my attitude towards something so I'm going in there with Exa and Exa as well you know like how hard can it be you know we're talking all the time and then we started with like a very big role and we started uh, voicing everything and with a bigger role and we just budgeted it like absolutely budgeted <laughs> it it was terrible it was really terrible so basically, from like a really long, long sentence, we we you know went to a to a guy off off screen that's just like, yes sir, everything all right, and we're like, that's it, 
Really? That's the best we could no, do. You get no, shit. no, yes, it was. <laughs> you could have been so German ter- Ryan Reynolds. I was. Holy. I could have been. I could have. You know. But now they they cut that out as well from the the movie. So, yeah. You have to you have to watch the movie of course to to figure out but you're who still I am. Be in it. I'm oh, so, your voice because be then I had to go again because they cut out the scene where I was <laughs> actually <laughs> I in. Killed the scene. So they were like, okay, we have to record something else, and I was like, probably it's too good, and they're like, that doesn't fit in the you know. Oh yeah, of course. Right, of course. Yeah, yeah. All right, so yeah. that's I mean that's pretty bad. Wait, so what's your line now? I can't say that. Oh, you can't tell. Us. No, because apparently it's it's part of the the promotional stuff and so on oh. 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 you ever been part of the Swedish dubbing actually did you movie? do any no. dubbing I heard that you want to do a kinder kinder book you know yeah, like I'm, a, I'm just gonna I'm gonna do a voiceover for a what's a children's book yeah. Kind, yeah. kinder's book you threw me off I was thinking <laughs> kinder eggs I was like oh, yeah <laughs> now I'm, I'm gonna do a voiceover for a book but that's just me on YouTube that's not a fancy ass studio like uh, Mr. Sheepy over here I I was, studio is so fancy <laughs> Please, I want you to have one YouTube channel for everything you do, and I want it to be like half like critical League of Legends vibe. He's like, this guy is awful, and then like the next video is like, good night, sweet. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I want to be branded like something like that, you know, I can't drop the idea because we said dab. I, I'm thinking dabbing studio still in my head. Then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you no go there and then it's like professional 50. dabbing studio. Yeah, yeah. Emo- Put your heart <laughs> into it. You want to know where they doing? make Fortnite emotes? It's that studio <laughs> yeah. in Germany where sheepies dab. Put I got, the arms straighter, man. That story was great. You know, because I saw I saw the article and and the tweets, and I was like, whoa, okay. And at first, I was like, for sure, this is just like a tiny little role. You know, him and Exile just have like one line to say in the background before you get killed or something. I mean, we could have had bigger ones. But exactly. We just, the, we just the fact that so it could have been a huge one is, is actually insane. Imagine if you had one yes. of the main roles yes. in that movie. I know. Just imagine you're like invited to, to Worlds and, you know, you butchered on your first day and they're like, that's it. Thank you so much. You know, <laughs> we really want to thank we you. Call, for coming we out. call you again, but you don't have my phone number. You, know, you, you pull the tabe, and then we have to be like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> all right. Next, next topic. This is important. This is one that actually Deficio randomly wrote in and snuck past me, but I will now read off the script. There you go. All right, there you go. Uh, how important is it to look good as a coach? And follow-up question, also from Deficio. Wait, let's keep with the first question. Okay, all right, all right. First question first. How important is it to look good on stage? Yamato. Well, for me, it's just fun. Uh, I think uh, uh, for me, it's about look good, feel good, you know? Mm, I agree. Mm, I think if you dress well, you're confident, and then you can kind of transcribe that through what you dress to others. And I think um, as a coach, you have to be... uh, the person that people turn to, and I think that's a small part of that. And small things uh, add up to something big, and that's my idea of it. That's uh, a lot more logic behind yeah, that. Was about that a lot. Yeah, that was. He was like, that was a surprisingly succinct answer. Yeah, I thought you were gonna be like, well, it started as a child, and I learned that I loved flowers, and not not seeing flowers in the studio. It, Brought me sad. Every I was day. born with a tie. <laughs> on. You should really like cue over like some violin. I don't though. That's the thing. Like if you zoom in, like for example, that famous like yellow black shirt. Yeah, yeah, if you yeah. zoom in, you can see like small Indian people and frogs. That's how deep the shirts go. Oh, it's not even flowers. Oh, I bought a flower shirt the other day, and I almost sent you a picture, Drakus, because it's the kind of stuff you normally wear. But I fell in love with it. I was just like, this is a great shirt. And obviously for summer. You yeah. have to be bold, like these birds, you know, when you like look of Oh, these are just flowers, not birds. And so <laughs> my next question is, Sheepy, 
you've got you're usually wearing like the classic black with like the pink unicorns tie. Like, what's the next level for sheepy fashion? Is it like an all pink suit? Yes, it's definitely that. I have full pink suit, pink tie. Do you have it already? Everything unicorns of love branded, like basically huge, you know, printed on unicorns of love logo on the back. I think that's the next level. That feels a little more mascot-y than coachy, though. Are you going to both be mascot and coach? I mean, I, I live by the trend, feels good, feels good. So if it feels good, it, feels I will, good. it doesn't have to necessarily look as good as it feels, you know? Feels good. You might have to wake up a little bit. Just take it. Just, okay. All right, all right we're gonna now, follow-up question. I think you should ask, Sufficio, since this is your, uh, is your baby here. Yeah, so... It's something I thought about that some of the coaches are able to do, which we don't see on the broadcast right now, is how important is a great mustache? That's true. Yeah. And do we need more in the EU LCS? Is that what's keeping us from beating the Koreans? This is when you ask it, it feels almost personal. You can't grow facial, can you? <laughs> That's kind of the problem here, which prompted this question because I'm sitting with three people here who can actually get a pretty decent mustache. Sheepy, you have already been showing one. Man, I've been rocking a mustache since like one and a half years or something like this. But it's really difficult as well because my facial hair, you know, doesn't want in the beginning, but then you just have to. You force rely it out, on, you, you push. Yeah, you just push. <laughs> you probably rely on. You didn't believe enough. Yeah. But. More than medicine. Is it a power thing for you, or? Of course, if you have somebody with a huge mustache. <laughs> mustache. <laughs> yeah. All right, all right, all right. All right. Here, here's the question: As dudes who can grow mustaches, now we have a lot of bets on the show. This is not a bet for this show, but in the future, next season LCS, how willing are you guys as guests? We'll poll people as we go in the future to like shave some, do something ridiculous with your facial hair as part of a bet. I mean, depends on how offensive. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm, I'm in. Less historical figures, more like Ron <laughs> Jeremy. Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> I like his Ron Jeremy we use. Just like with Jazuka. I mean, that's like the that's a quintessential, like, ridiculous. Mm. Have you ever had mustache. just a mustache, uh, Yamato? No. No? Always kept the rest of the facial yeah, hair? Yeah. I think it's... I it's can't the beard that. came first. There's <laughs> just enough growth yeah. in this area. Oh, so you're kind of forced to do the mustache style. Yeah, I, basically. Mm. But you have it even easier. Yeah, because yes, you can't yes. grow anything, so you're good. Uh, yeah. I can grow uh, tiny pupes on my face <laughs> that never turns into a real beard. It's a good look. I've seen it. Razors are expensive, you know, so <laughs> good for you. I can buy real cheap ones, yeah. But I can never go to, like, a real barber and be like, hey, I need a fantastic shave, because you just look at me and laugh at me. So I'm just like, I lose that part of my life. You it, really, it you kind of amazing. want weird things in your life. You're like, I have a good job, a career. You know, I, I, I'm like happy. I get to live in, in, in Denmark. But, oh, yeah, I can't, I can't feel what other men feel <laughs> when they go to the it barber shop. <laughs> you know, I'm going after the podcast to go and the entire experience you feel. It's See, like, that's what I mean. You know, <laughs> Have you it's ever? like going to, the, for women, they go to the salon, they get their nails done, the makeup and everything. But for guys, this is what it is for guys. Have you, have know, you ever you been the at, the, shave. at the barber shop? Like where they yeah, put yeah. you back? Yeah, it's amazing. Like I, you really have to go uh, Dracos. <laughs> <laughs> I have this place. They're basically my uncles at this yeah, point. You know, yeah. They speak Arabic only, no German, so I can connect with them. And they just like give you like the whole cologne. It burns on your face mm. and the, with the knife. What if I go smell. with you and we go together and I can just be like, <laughs> just hey. Stand behind. Not creepy no, at no, all. Please, just give me what he's getting, you know? <laughs> they probably wouldn't do that. 
They would. They would. Anything for money, you know. That's yay. Oh man. But I do agree that the broadcast actually do need a problem. Mustache. I think that the yeah, I think that the beard mustache is like under underrepresented. I think you guys needed to I think your beard was like at some point amazing. Thank you. And it's really, really hard to grow like a, at, at some, some point. point. Yeah, now it's garbage. I know. I, tri- no, I, I, trimmed like... it, I trimmed it down a bunch because yes. it was getting out of control. But then we had Pyra. He did sport their... Pyra did. Oh, yeah. You he guys. tried. Yeah, right. to build I feel one. like we're tunneling on mustaches. But you know what? As, as, as this has... This head, I know. It's true. It's <laughs> in the script. We're going yes. deep. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. So, but before we transition uh, to our, our next topic of the day, I do want to say, if you're if you're a listener and you have a dope mustache, send us your dope mustache pics. Hashtag dope or mustache. Photoshop us or, with or, real or big Photoshop mustaches. someone Especially you think me. should have a mustache <laughs> with a mustache. You know, I don't know. Maybe Vetti needs a really big mustache. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Just imagine. Shocks needs a mustache. I don't know. <laughs> man, get creative. Pick pick who you want. I can't think of what player needs Vettis it. would look like a hamburger <laughs> with a mustache. <laughs> I don't see that. So this past Sunday, EU Masters finished up the finals between Origin and IHG. 3-0 for Origin. Congrats to them taking it, smurfing in a uh, regional tournament. Good job, guys. <laughs> it was a lot I mean, harder. <laughs> I say smurfing because, you know, they all had a lot of competitive experience, but you're right. It was not exactly the cleanest wins of all time that you'd expect from the star-studded roster that was put together. Yeah, they could have been knocked out multiple times. There's a bit of tiebreak even to get past the main group stage. So there was a... It was... So first of all, very good tournament. Um, I I actually didn't really 100% know what to expect going into the tournament in terms of the level and the community interest uh, and that kind of stuff. But uh, obviously one thing was Origin being there with this team made a lot of people want to watch Masters for sure, just for Origin. But I think even before in the planes, we started seeing decent amount of people talking about it, watching and just following over the last few weeks, some of the players that, you know, I normally don't see a lot of because I don't get to watch all the different national leagues all the time, was really cool because you get like a connection during this tournament because it runs over multiple weeks where you just want to follow specific players and teams. Uh, and that was a very successful thing. And I'm, I'm a big fan of a couple of new players now uh, that I definitely want to keep following. Yeah, same. I mean, I was over there, right? Uh, and I, well, met... I, I muted there, so I didn't watch the broadcast properly. Oh, okay. I didn't want to. But you were tweeting like, "Oh, Sheepy is there." Probably like, guys. Yeah. Time right. to mute. Please, please, guys. Exactly. Where's he your does, He does know what Where he's saying. Where is your mouth cannon? Where's the code <laughs> when we need it? <laughs> yeah, but I was over there, and I, I thought exactly the same because there are like some standout players in the EM that played like very aggressive, uh, very, you know. Exciting overall, so there was like click tech and uh, also Tinks from Gamers Origin. I think was yeah. really really interesting to watch. Good old Tinks Danish, by the way. Just adding that in there. Yamada, can you watch Another any EU Masters? Uh, very little, to be honest. I um, I I usually when I do my scouting for players is usually uh, during the time where I need players. I'm very satisfied <laughs> with mine at the time. And uh, uh, one thing that I can say, I don't want to. Uh, give too much indications of players because I'm looking into it to potentially uh, for our academy team. Mm-hmm. There's something we've had now for, uh, what is it? Uh, it's uh, five months, four months. And uh, I think uh, teams all over the world have shown that academy teams are very powerful and we've used it a lot and it's something that we're looking to upgrade on all the time. I like uh, talented young players. I like working with them the most out of uh, anything most of the time because you have like this 
these um, moments of brilliance. I think that's something that I saw frequently when I looked at the matches where people were like, oh, you need to look at this team, click, take, mm -hmm. and whatever. Mm -hmm. And you could see moments of brilliance. And I think that to me is what defines what, uh, what you can make of a player. And uh, that was interesting uh, from my perspective for the future in terms of my academy team. I mean, it's exciting, right, to have all this footage on these players that's, like, so centrally located. And since there are so many people playing in the tournament, it's a lot easier to tell who actually is the best of the best, right? Because a lot of these guys are, like, you know, pub-stomping their own smaller regional tournaments. And then coming into this tournament, you know at least, like, the quality of the teams is, is going to be a little bit higher because they're filtered a little bit more. And it, it generally it feels to me like it gives a pretty good impression of where people are at. I mean, I know it's not quite LCS level, but it, it did feel like you could see, like, you could actually see what a player's skill was versus mm -hmm. if they're playing, you know, a, a, it's a low enough down tournament, right? If it's a small enough tournament in terms of who's participating and they're pub stomping, like... You don't really learn a lot. You don't really learn a lot watching it because they're just, oh, they're winning a lane they shouldn't win and they're, you know, invading. It doesn't matter because there's three levels up and they can kill people, right? Yeah, and I've, I mean, just also more tournaments is great. Um, a European only tournament for all these different teams from from around Europe is exactly what I think we need in our ecosystem because obviously the national leagues are growing uh adding that in the, the fact that EU Masters was something people took very serious also gives you another thing that you can play towards as a national league team and also a tournament that we can all follow as fans so it was just very successful which was good and People have also been crying for ways for new casters to show themselves on 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 on, on a big stage. You know, Sheepy being one of them in this case. EU Masters. They were dying for it. Yeah, but EU Masters had a lot of games to cast. A lot of different people were involved. We had players. We had you know coaches. We had uh, amateur casters showing up, and it was just it was cool overall to see all these new talent both on the Rift but also on the broadcast because. Uh, I gotta say, I know I was making fun of you before, Sheepy, but I did quite enjoy your casting. There you go. <laughs> I think also, uh, I'm gonna let you have your moment. Give me, give me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at least at the. I pay me that 50 euros. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like all, no video, you know? <laughs> I think um, in terms of uh, players, usually when uh, organizations and teams or whoever scouts players, there's always question marks. How will they perform in tournaments? How will they perform in team environment? Uh, having an opportunity for as many players as possible mm -hmm. to showcase what they're capable of in a team environment and also in uh, an environment where it's competitive, there's stress, there's nerves. I think that's very, very important. And I think as long as you have these amateur tournaments, that's what it is in football, right? Like you have these little leagues, you have these smaller leagues, and eventually you reach the top, and that's where all the scouting happens. Exactly. You got these guys from Real Madrid sitting there, you know, sitting in their trench coats. I don't know how it is. I'm not <laughs> and just looking at the guys writing down. Yeah, that's the image. I, I saw like Inspector Gadget. Yeah, little hat on, looking through a newspaper at these yeah. guys. But but uh, obviously, uh, with the Spanish league and also in yeah. France, all the different tournaments being. Pretty advanced now. There is a lot of footage already yeah. for for those guys, but it's all the other teams that you don't get to watch a lot of. Like if you want to watch a Nordic team play, there's like one or two small tournaments that you most likely will never get to watch in the first place, and the level might not be very high. So it's really difficult to see if these players are actually good enough. And then when they get to play the other teams, especially like the Spanish ones and Origin in this case, uh, it's you you get. A really cool idea of like how good can uh, can they actually be? Yeah, and I think also it just gives different storylines, right? In LCS, you have mainly 
you know, the best of the best, like, put together in a team. But in the national leagues, you really have, you know, for example, Illumina Gaming, who was, like, full Polish squad, that they made it so far as an absolute upset story. Same as, like, uh, Click Take from the Balkans, mm -hmm. that they made it so far is super interesting as well. And uh, we all expected, like, Spain or France to, you know, to, to fight for the top, and, and which kind of also happened. What about Germany? Uh, Germany, I had no hope. Up we went one, like one, one win. seven or something. Yeah, no, it was right? really bad. It was like, yeah, we're not that advanced yet, but I, I'm sure, you know, we'll come slowly and then uh, start taking over the league in like a year or two. Hopefully. Mm. Yeah, hopefully. I, I don't buy that one. Yeah, I, I think I'm, I'm... Don't... You can't just sell out an entire country based yeah, on you're like, like, one tournament. No, I don't like Germany. <laughs> no, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I've, I've moved out. I don't yeah. have to be scared. I put my money right now on here. either a, a team from, from Spain or France to... Take it next next time. We're gonna see how it's so, open challenge. By Academy. There, there you, you go. go. So the thing I kind of I want to talk about is that this, of course, came in um, kind of in replacement of of the Challenger series, right? As like and taken it out, and it it's obviously it doesn't uh, it's just not an ongoing league. It's these one of kind of big tournaments mm -hmm. that are you know playing in from a lot of different angles. How do we feel like it, it did as a replacement for Challenger from from your guys' perspective as, as team coach who maybe used to watch Challenger for new players or who you know have played in Challenger to qualify up to to LCS? How do you feel uh, it did? I think it was really really great tournament overall. Like there was a lot of different talent. We saw, I mean, it was such a different flavor to LCS as well. With if you're somebody who's not actively following so much, this is like something very special where you, if you're coming from Germany, if you're coming from France, from Spain, and you really want to see how is your nation represented compared to everybody else, like really this European feeling, then you had it all there. I think players played unbelievably interesting, and exciting. I didn't expect that personally. Uh, because I'm not following so much, for example, the French league or, uh, you know, or the the German league in this case, or Balkan or Polish, and and then suddenly, this is the reason that you're actually watching those leagues and you're you're finding out new stuff. So, I think it shifted a lot of focus, like from Challenger series, which was like LCS light, right, mm -hmm. very light. Discount LCS. Discount LCS exactly to to something of their own, and that's that's super that's refreshing. Yeah, I think uh, the 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 format was just uh, really, really good. I think the fact that there were so many teams, so many players, I think that uh, definitely supported the amount of games the teams played was also very similar to Challenger Series. The amount of like games they get to play there was really, really low. Uh, so I think that part of it doesn't matter. I think the format is e more easily me more easy to digest because it's over a smaller period of time. I right, think. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I think the biggest point is once again you get like every corner of Europe into one place and you get to test everyone truly because I think teams like ClickTech maybe wouldn't have the opportunity to go into Challenger Series and I think. Uh, that's uh, the biggest point to support it. So is it better when it comes to like scouting that it's a tournament instead of a league setup? Because obviously it's, it's a three-week tournament in this case here instead of the Challenger Series, which was effectively just running next to the LCS as a normal league into a playoff. Is it better that it's like a high-stake tournament that you're watching instead? Well, I think... Uh... It's it's hard to say. Like it, it, Challenger Series was also very high, high stake, like uh, relegation and promotion. Oh yeah, so I, I just mean like was... a tournament instead of a league, uh, set up, where every game is like. I guess you can feel out. the impact a bit more when you play like a tournament setting, but it's it's hard for me to judge because in the end, like the logical part of me tells me that it's the same. You mm -hmm. know, regardless if it's a league or if it's a tournament, right. the outcome is the same. It is a playoff bracket, but um, I think it's more about. Uh, but the knockout stage is also the same, so it's hard for me to judge, uh, from my perspective at least. 
Is there anything different when it's like a tournament versus the league format in terms of how you look at player development? Because presumably like the league, if they're playing one match a week, right, and it's over six weeks, you can see how a player improves over time. You can see how they get better. Now, in a, in a shorter term format, obviously, you might not see as much improvement. But when you're scouting, is that even something that you would look at, like how a player improves over time? Or are you just looking for where they're at currently, knowing that maybe you can improve them? So when we're looking at players, um, there's like this burst of brilliance or moments of brilliance. Um, there's obviously a lot of different factors as well, how they are performing. And European Masters was interesting because and like the, the high stakes setting and how everybody everyone was set up and how you have to prepare for the next matches towards teams that you're generally not facing, right? It's like a different flavor as if you're playing in a league where you know everybody and then you're just playing out kind of the finals of your own nation, right? Mm -hmm. So I think it's very exciting because all, all the players and different trends from different regions are clashing together. That's the re It's like the reason we are watching Worlds as well, right? We want to see how the aggressive style from... Uh, from China is kind of against the control style from Korea, and then there's Europe and NA. And we just they, do stuff. Actually, we do stuff. We do have our own styles as well. Uh, how they are clashing against each other, and that makes obviously for more interesting and more informative gameplay uh, from the player. So, and then the winners of each region, like for example, now with Origin winning, this is definitely you know the Spanish league would be some some place where. LCS coaches would look out to to pick up players because it's just the strongest nationality right now league-wise and Mad Lions have been performing well as well so you know you would right now just from from league-wise but because Illumina Gaming went so far as well maybe in the future uh, if, if I'm looking for players or if anyone is looking for players. There's that jungler you might know him. Slash top laner <laughs> slash whatever he plays at the moment right? <laughs> I wanted to uh, also uh, give my input because I understand the question a bit different mm -hmm. in terms of how I would prepare for a tournament and a league system differently yeah. is uh, I think when you go into a tournament, you find yourself in a position where there are some problems you don't have enough time to solve. So you put yourself in a position where you create band-aid solution. Mm -hmm. I think the best abstract example I have of that was when uh, I did my world's run with Splice. We came into playoffs uh, we were probably the, one of the best, if not the best, lane swap team. And then it was just completely gutted. So we were, came into playoffs and we had to find other ways to find success. And it became, uh, we, we created band-aid solutions, so to speak. We didn't play optimally, but we found, found ways to figure it out. We played Mazar and Kazan in mid, we scaled through mid, we had problems playing through mid. Mm -hmm. And Senkux fell behind, but usually with the Kazan and Mazar, he scaled into the game. So we found band-aid solutions, and that's something that you have to do uh, if to gain like short-term uh, victories mm. while uh, for example uh, in the regular season for Vitality something that I tried to do from the beginning was to play uh, in a way that is uh, very very risky and uh, very rewarding but at the same time you do a couple of mistakes and the game is over and that's something that I wanted to do from the get-go even though I knew we would uh, probably have had more losses than wins but at the end, I think the outcome was better coming into uh, the playoff setting because as long as we reach that point, it's fine. Yeah. So I think that's uh, the big difference that, that I would uh, point out. Uh, and something that I would, wanted to add to Shippy's point, in regards to what uh, these teams that are sent from their specific region, when it's Fnatic from Europe, something that is important to highlight is that this team is a product of that region because they are practicing against the other teams, they're learning from those teams, they're basically taking the spirit and soul of that entire region because 
that's what it is. Fnatic is practicing against us the entire split, so they are taking a part of us into MSI. And I think that's the same, and that's the beauty of also European Masters, because they are bringing the soul and the heart of every region into it. That's very poetic. I like I like it. Uh, I'd probably say it is influence because I think people would. I think it's very it's very serious, Yamato. You've made it sound very like very like this beautiful thing. Soul. And it's not that it's a beautiful and not a beautiful thing. It just feels so grandiose. I think. But I'm curious. Um, you we we brought up or you brought up rather your academy team or Vitality's academy team earlier. Now, is this something that you see? becoming more more commonplace in the future for LCS teams? Um, because, I mean, what is what is the value, I guess, that you get out of this? Because it, to me, I mean, I can understand it if this is a team you scrim against, but I'm just not sure what the full picture is for what you actually get out of an academy team as an LCS team with a secondary team. Okay, so uh, from my perspective, it's, it's all about the small things. And I think uh, an academy team can be small and also big because I think it's, it's an asset for sure. So uh, regardless if uh, uh, in any way I can improve the team, I will take, take it no matter what. So in terms of academy team and how it improves, it, it gives me an opportunity to have five rookies or five players that I can watch grow and turn into something even better. So in our case, we had uh, UK and Dreams, which... Uh, they were uh, in one split um, in LCS. They played for a long time, and we had uh, uh, three uh, rookies, so to speak. And uh, that was a big asset for us because I can always look to their growth and look at how they're performing. I can look at players on solo queue and just put them in a situation. And uh, I also had the opportunity to bring them into the gaming house. If we had an issue with a specific role, we can also uh, uh, have like a different eye and a different opinion in that scenario. At the same time, the biggest reason why I wanted to do it was we are reaching this point where we're playing best of ones. And best of ones, strategies that you don't want to reveal to anyone, they become very relevant. Uh, last split, what we did um, a lot was screaming teams that are outside of EOLCS just for this purpose. We had a lot of uh, uh, trust established with some of the other teams in other regions. And uh, uh, we were able to practice things we didn't want to reveal to anyone because things trickle down very fast. If you show a strategy to oh, one yeah, team, works, all of a sudden it. he screams the other team yeah. and then every team knows it. And then you're facing it in the LCS when you were the one inventing it and you're sitting there like, oh, well, blows, you know? <laughs> so I think uh, the aspect of hiding something is fantastic. And I think the biggest, sig the most significant supporter of this is what Africa did over in LCK. They had uh, 10 players. They sopped around a lot, and I think this is something that a lot of the coaches feared because this is something that they said in interviews as well, that uh, uh, them, no one knew what they practiced, and that is something that is hard to prepare against. Now, in the LCK, we do see subs being used a lot more on stage. Um, obviously, with BU3 in Europe last year, we didn't get to see it a whole lot. BU1 this year probably makes it even harder. Like, Is that the main reason we don't see... European teams actually put their academy player, their sub player on, on stage? Because we typically just see the same five players all split long. I think it's a question of, uh, like over in LCK, I think um, the, the player pool, like if you pick a player from top 10 challenger, then you know that you're going to get a quality player. They're sure. going to have no communication issues over in LCK. And the culture is also uh, supporting of the idea of a team structure and respect. And uh, I think that helps a lot. It's easy for them to just pick out players and just swap them out because there's this um, threat behind it. 
But uh, I think it's something that will come with time. We have these EU Masters in a couple of years. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure the academy teams will be very uh, stacked because I think that's what EU Masters is. I think every player is just putting a sign on themselves. Pick me, pick me out the good TLCS. You know, I think that's what it is in the end. And uh, I think... Uh, the more and more we have these tournaments, the more we have showcases of players, I think the academy teams will be stacked and we will reach a point where uh, switches will happen uh, mid-season or maybe during like a specific week or we want to play against this team, mm -hmm. we need this, this and whatever. I think it's just a question of uh, quality of players. I think for me it's relatively hard because we don't really have substitute we are using. I really do support the idea. I, I think also it's something I would like to do. I think, you know, more talent, more brains to work with, more experiences to have and to learn from. Uh, from my from my side, it's just it's just relatively hard how to to manage that in a, in, in our environment. You know, where yeah. where should they sleep? Where do we build the office space for that? So everything works all together well. Who am I actually taking, and who will play in scrims? Do we only play the team that we are choosing from? You know, like there, there's a lot of uh, restrictions and regulations, especially, and also it needs to be like cost versus effect, where it's like sometimes right. not sensible, right, to to take people that you actually don't think you will use at all, and and build them up, you know. Because right now, so Vitality setup, um, you guys have unlimited as your coach for the academy yep. team. There's the five players. Are they in a gaming house or are they playing online most of the time? Uh, well, it comes and goes. We have, uh, like, um, I'm not going to say that I have the most accurate information, but uh, they basically, we have boot camps, uh, we have facilities where uh, uh, when it's sensible for them to boot camp, they are doing that. We had a gaming house during one period. Uh, I think also uh, they're in our gaming house at the time, mm -hmm. uh, at the current time. And I think it was just a question of uh, uh, changing. And it was something that was very, very in line with the idea of EU Masters coming into the picture because that's important in terms of uh, cost and, of course, uh, what was the second word used? Cost and efficiency. efficiency. Efficiency, yeah, cost and efficiency. That sounds sounds nice. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I'm gonna take you, that, you make it mine. <laughs> cost and efficiency. So uh, we wanted to send the team into EU Masters. We didn't do that. We the team didn't uh, play that well. We got fourth place in the French leagues. So obviously, didn't deserve to go. Mm -hmm. No chance. <laughs> so there was an idea behind it uh, past my own ideas, right? Right. Mm. So it's like plus. Yeah, and that's what basically you're saying for Unicorns of Love right now. It's hard to 100% decide, is it worth it to sign five academy players, an academy coach, and then find somewhere for them to practice from time to time, and it's just not worth it or potentially what I, not worth what it? What I would like to have is like a huge office building or something like this. Then, you know, everybody can have, you know, they sleep wherever, you know, like if they want to have a, an apartment for themselves, they take an apartment for themselves. Like everyone has like different thought. And then I, I would like to oversee, like it would be great to have like two assistant coaches to just like micromanage the team. And then micromanage, we have like meetings or stuff. In, you know, there's like, mm -hmm. I really do think there is, there's benefit in this, like huge benefit as well. But right now it's just not a point where, you know, where we want to do this as a, as an organization. And, on the flip side, how effective is it as well? I think this is more for like long term, like probably something that bears fruit in like two or three years. Definitely, like if I talk about it, I already get very excited about it. But with the people I having right now as well as the team, I still focus a lot about improving myself as well, because I'm 
you know, I'm, I'm, I think I'm very experienced in what I'm doing. I think we're like actually one of the, the oldest coaches in the league, right? Yeah, probably. Yeah, we've been around since forever. Yeah. So yeah, we're yeah. like season four or five. LCS was built on our backs. <laughs> <laughs> well, when coaches came into the picture, was it season five. Yeah. That yeah. was about season five. Yeah, we won the finals, the first split. I got relegated with Mitchell Makers. What a uh. shit show. <laughs> <laughs> hey, at least you were in the yeah. LCS. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, you, actually, yeah. When, you you played with Rocket after. Yeah, we, Rocket. I went into Rocket. That's a fun story, actually, how I got the job because they didn't trust me, you know. And I was like, "Let me come into your office space. I want to want to try it right now. I'm just gonna come into your house and I'm gonna scream with you guys." He was like, "I don't know." I was like, "Give me the address right now." And then Fly sent me address. I went there, and then like, okay, we, after the scrims, they were like, "We need to have a conversation, maybe ten minutes," and then. They took them 30 seconds. I like, come in here. You got the job. <laughs> hey, that'd be a nice. for all of you guys. If this you... is really how it works. You have to be very obnoxious if you want just the job. <laughs> ask because for the address. Just like, where are you? Jump where are you living? Scrim and just start yelling at the players. Wait, this is the same story for Roma. Like, Roma was basically, you know, working before at Razor, which we are, you know, contracted with. And I don't know exactly how. You know, back in the day, it was Wild West. So you were just like, uh-huh. whatever, esports. So he was like basically saying, um, I really want to, I think your team is exciting. I really want to be part of it. You guys do whatever you want and you're cool and you're blah, 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 blah. So he just puts the honey around. I don't know if this is a saying. I said it to Trevor if I could say that on air and he said that's not a saying. But basically he was very nice, right? He puts the honey on himself? No, it's like putting honey around the mouth. (laughs) Wait, don't you know that? Make it more attractive. Wait, smear honey around the mouth. It means like, like you make something. Can you say it in German? Honig um den Mund schmieren. Okay. Okay, whatever. It's, 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 it sounds dirty in German. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's like, mm, okay. I don't want to know. Where, the point, where you, you, you went honey, for the honey. You went for the honey. I, I went full honey. And then he basically, he basically said, he basically said, okay, give me your, your, you know, where you live. And I come over and I, I'll be there tomorrow. And I'm like, tomorrow? But I was also young, so at this point I was just like, I had no authority. So if he's like, okay. I just go, I'm like, okay, whatever. And he's like, flew over the next day from France and then he had to go to Hamburg afterwards. So we had like an hour and he came in the pink onesie, right? Oh, man. So he's like, I want no to apply for the management job and talk with sponsors. Pink onesie, and basically honey. pink onesie. And uh, yeah, I opened the door and at this point I was just like, I can't. You're like, I didn't order a stripper. What is this I guy doing here? I can't say I, no I to him. You know? Safely, a risky decision. Even in esports. It's, hey, guy in pink onesie who wants to be the manager. <laughs> I could. Sure. No. That, that works great for us. Uh-huh. Do you also have a Maybe suit? No, that's fine. Do you have Whatever. more than one onesie? Okay, we can what? work with that. I would like to dance on stage and be wear nothing. I'm like, all right. No, but I could. I was afraid at this point to say no. Really? I mean, he just showed up at your house. He's he's very he knows fit. where I live. Yeah, he's right. very fit. He could probably beat you. They up. probably thought the same for for you. They're like, they know where he lives. So it's it's interesting because we often get questions from people asking, "How do I get a job in esports?" And basically, from what we're learning here, I don't think irritated. we should we should stop the trend of people yeah, <laughs> just. Be really obnoxious send and make sure. Send follow-up emails. Yeah. Don't go to people's houses. Just, just send, send follow-up well, emails. Only go if they actually give you the address yes, and yes. tell you. If you, sure, you can <laughs> if you find it on your own, please do, do not, not go. go. Yeah. Keep tweeting at Deficio. You know? <laughs> how He'll leak it all eventually. He'll <laughs> break, guys. You can <laughs> you will just, keep, just keep asking. He has all the info. Um, back on the subject of kind of building these teams and, and scouting talent, it's something we've, we've been kind of talking about. But I, I'm curious, specifically, some names have already been brought up, but like, who really stood out? 
in this tournament, right? In terms of new young talent. Yeah, Yamato. Yeah, like I know one player. When I was recruiting for uh, academy already, then I was looking at uh, Mr. Self-Made Man. Of course, he was uh, already, uh, during the time he was on the contract, he was a lot of shh, couldn't talk. Uh, and uh, of course, we didn't breach any rules, so we didn't talk. Got it. But I nice. think good. Uh, good. this guy, I can... Uh, he's the jungler for Mad Lions. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I can, I'm pretty certain he's going to be an LCS next next split. Oh, next split already? Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, he was one of the... Because I, I wrote in a few names uh, on this uh, scripted list here. Tinks is good. Uh, I like Tinks. Tinks was the yeah he he got Froggen, him in the end. yeah Froggen yeah so was, the first Froggen name I put on nice. he's good. first was Froggen of like players who used to watch who would New love talent. to see in the EULs yes uh, obviously uh, I think if we had to uh, pick an MVP of the tournament I think Froggen will probably get the votes he's of the, the entire tournament he's the grandpa of the rookies uh, yeah he was definitely the oldest rookie but uh, he performed very well I hope one day we get to see him on the big stage. Other names I put in, um, she'd be interested in hearing your opinion. Uh, we already had Yamato saying self-made, of course, mm-hmm. uh, which was good. I put in uh, Nemesis, mid laner from Adlines, who I think was was good. Um, then I put in uh, Stefan, who was the jungler from ClickTech, uh, who mainly at the start of the tournament, we were like, whoa, okay, this guy, crazy. And then it kind of fizzled out when ClickTech started losing yeah. a, a lot of games. Uh, self-made, of course, in the jungle. Uh, Militia, the mid laner, also from ClickTech. Also good. Good, good start. Yeah. Uh, I put in Kickers actually as a question because he was a little bit all over the place, but I kind of enjoyed watching him back in the jungle because he does a lot of crazy stuff. Yeah. I'm not sure if it was good enough to be in the actual LCS just yet, but what do you think she'd be? I, I mean, I think that he is a player with so much history, also won LCS at some point as well, right? Yeah, yeah. So, and he's now shown as well that he can maybe bring a, you know, an inexperienced squad towards like the bigger stage and play in the final as well, right? right? So I, I do think that he's a really strong player and like a strong, indi- a strong individual. I think also his mentality wor- uh, works out well. He works out as well. And yeah, I think generally he has been, has had a good tournament towards the later stages. In the beginning, you know, his Olaf was like 0-4 and people were like, you know, what is he doing? Exactly? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember that. People were like, oh, oh my God, the first game he played. The kicker's <laughs> career path is one of the most interesting things in esports to me because, I mean, it's just, he went Unicorns of Love, you know, and he did good for a while. And then he with G2, right? And he came and He became a top laner out and of he nowhere. Was, he wasn't great for the longest time on that roster. It was like the Ramus top era, that brief period But towards the end, he But towards the well. end, he was actually really good. And then Expect like came in. Expect was there. He was, he was good. Really good. Yeah. And then he was one of the he, best. My remember, and correct me if I'm wrong, I remember he didn't want to play with a sub on the roster, right? Yeah. And so he opted yeah. to leave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. It's such a weird thing. No, you basically yeah. put he it... Because, like, let's this I guy for G2 Esports, I can win the LCS, but I refuse to be with a sub. <laughs> which was... Which was weird. And now Expect has obviously grown into a really good top laner. Great player all around. Yeah. But, like, it's such a weird path because he, like, had this top LCS spot and then opted and then opted out. Didn't want to be a part of it. Fnatic Academy... Mysterious Monkeys, now down to Illuminar Gaming. I mean, Kekas has just been all over the place, man. Expect following him. Think about that. Oh my god. Oh, you will shit. get nothing, Kekas, and you'll like it. <laughs> oh, Damon, leave me Expect takes everything away. He's like, can I have the U Master Star? No. I'll take that. Expect's contract is over in Origin, right? He's going to play in Winning the police thing? Nah. Not for you, Kickers. Never again. <laughs> oh, man. Oh. 
Any other names uh, for you, Sheepy, during the tournament that really stood out? I think the junglers overall were pretty good. I mm-hmm. think that was very exciting. You know, we we had some with self-made things, Stefan. Yeah. And uh, I think Jeremy also mid lane, uh, mid- Militia or Militia. It's Mi- not Militia, Militia yeah. it's Militia, I think. Oh, Militia. Yeah, because oh, when I... I no, but so many so many names are... There was also XD Smiley S60 or something like this. Which is a great name. Which is like... Which, <laughs> that's a, that's a you name if you want as a caster. Yes, if you, if you have names, there was difficulties. But yeah, I think mid lane and jungle really were the standout roles in, in the entire tournament. I mean, also for Origin with uh, Froggen and Insect, right? Um, but yeah, if there's like any players that really showed themselves, it's I think Tinks, especially in the game that I was still casting or like watching as well. He was playing so aggressive with Graves and just in the enemy jungle. And then you have the total flip side where, you know, things just didn't work out. Yeah, a little bit too much Graves. Uh, yeah, yeah I don't know. at a certain you point like, it was like, guys, and then I didn't guys watch, calm down. Yeah, I sadly didn't uh, didn't watch those games, um, but I really have to rewatch because I was just like, you know, they play so aggressive and they know what they're doing, and that was really. I mean, yeah. it was it was really standout performance, but it just didn't go through. Here's here's the deal for me. I kind of want to give people like a, a four players to watch. I picked four. It's a random number. We can add more, uh, but a players to watch in this tournament because I think that. I want people to get excited about some of these new names. I want them to know who like we thought were like the real standouts. Now, Froggen is on yes, the list. Frog- He's a player that we want to see in EULCS. Obviously, Woo Froggen played great. <laughs> Probably MVP. It is without a doubt MVP of the tournament, right? Since he won the whole thing. Uh, Tinks is on the list. Self-made man. Uh, now nah, I think he just goes by self-made now. Just self-made, yeah. Um, 2018, you know. But yeah, it- do you guys think Tinks was top four in terms of like players to really? Oh man, it's it's really difficult because you know in. There was just Ice a Beast polo- was also good. Ice Beast to top lane was pretty good as well. Whirlup top lane Orn when he just rocked the ignite was pretty. Oh, beast when as he picked well. that Jackson, he won as well. Dude, like, like, he won like be, two, two times solo kills. Yeah, I mean those players were all in in the LCS, right? Like Whirlup and Frong. Uh, so I'm not sure if this is like a fair pick. I think Nemesis would be. Yeah, there you go. I think Nemesis should be on the list. Also because I just generally think you just like the name. The name is great, but yes. I think actually he's he's a good player who, like in Europe, if you watch EU Masters in general, like there was as you highlighted, but like a lot of mid laners there were some of the games they they stood out, like you know from Click Tech and now Nemesis. I think Larson from NIP had some of the games where he also yeah also true uh, mid lane Larson with him played Rice was oh. and he stepped up big time. So there there's actually a lot of names who we could see in the EU LCS uh, in the future and i guess that's kind of the whole thing about Europe and why EU Masters and National Leagues are so good because we just have so much talent i feel like every year we have a couple of new players who ends up being really good in the LCS and we just keep producing more and more and the idea is also to lock down talent right like if you see somebody is up and coming is very very strong i mean that's why you and the masters right to scout talent Exit. as well and now yeah, you're ready obviously i'm i have like a i list now I infiltrated the system from, from the inside. <laughs> I asked casters like, hey, what do you think? And then uh-huh. write it down. What am I hearing? You will no academy team looking for new players. No, no, no. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Drama. Be Goodbye, a, guys. On the Euphoria <laughs> podcast. <laughs> title. Uh, the title. Do you want to find these four players? You want to lock them in? I just wrote down Nemesis, Tinks, Frog, and Selfmade Man. Is that cool? Are we good with that? Yeah. I'm, give yeah, them, I'm definitely give them, not against that. Give them some shoutouts. I think the players really deserve a lot of uh, exposure. We'll do it. Those will be our top four. We'll make a sweet graphic to accompany this. How about Forgiven? He's in the military. So Seeing as he's not going to be available. We'll get, back to you in, we'll get back to you in two years. Will he go to military? Yeah. I remember when he did this. He said this now cry- that he's going. This crying thing on stage, and then it just didn't happen. 
Well, I think he managed to get it delayed uh, to continue playing. But now I know he announced that he, now he's going, and he will be available again in 2020. Always stay smart. 2020. Man. So league I is mean, dead then. Now we, <laughs> <laughs> we got one more year left, guys. I'm kidding. So I'm can kidding. we get that on the record? The league is dead. Was that yeah. Jacob? Forgive him. It could be good on Fortnite. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> You know, random point on this whole league is dead that I really want to say is I keep seeing this on Reddit and I keep I seeing it, bullshit, so many people jump into discussions and everyone is stating their opinions as facts. It's like, yeah, it's Reddit. I know that the player base is dropping in X region. I'm like, Look, please link me, me anything me to back here. that up. Five get, years ago, my queue time was 45 seconds and now it's a minute. The game is dying, Martin. I was oh. like, it's, it's not that you can now select a role and it makes it longer okay, to queue it's up. It's the game is it's. Different. It's just so interesting to see how these discussions always start, and it's never it's never provided with like an article that says, okay, here are the numbers. League has lost twenty million players in a year or something, and then that sparks a discussion. You can be like, oh, okay, there's something to base it on. It's always oh, just a like guy. it's always <laughs> one, just one guy. guy being like. I don't like League anymore. And then the top five comments are I like, agree. it's definitely dying. You know, I mean, I don't understand. I feel like all the, all, everyone, honestly, all my friends honestly, are playing Fortnite now. Why, I'm like, ruining it. It's, it's all gone to, to hell. It's just, you can't, you can't solo carry anymore. It's just so yeah. awesome. Who it's is like, saying that? Like, who enjoyed the era where you got stomped by, you're, you're like bot lane and you're doing fine. You're winning your lane by 10 CS and then like a 6-0 Aurelia comes, kills your entire team and ends the game. When was that a great experience? <laughs> that's my question. That's the whole thing. Like, people don't see the good. It's like, for example, the queue times. Well, I'm queuing and I get my role, my preferred role, every game. I get like once every I want game. Bars. I have a, I couldn't uh, do that I before. I play mid lane every game, which is like the most contested role. I just get it every time. That is beautiful. Or for example, the fact that support and jungle, they're useful roles. They're not like, take blue, take red, you're level three, gank until you are useless. And the mid laner will take your raptors, your wolves, and your life, and your pants, you know? <laughs> and supports, okay, they, they can buy things. Past Moby Boots and Sightstone, fantastic, they're useful. We actually, oh, we yeah. actually talked about this, Yay. that there was the meta where you're like, Power Evil ran Smite Orianna, right, with Runeglaive, and he just took everything of you. Yeah, so yeah. when you were a jungler, uh, I think, also with Kikas, was always like, dude, can I, you know, you start like bargaining Please. for you, can, can, can you leave me, can you leave me like raptors or like uh, wolves, like, and then there and was, he's already taking He's like, nah, man, I'm sorry. And back in the day with Kikas, it was really contested. It's like, I'm going to take this. And then Power's like, no, I will take this. And then you have like this in, in-house discussion who takes blue. And then after the game, you have to settle it. I mean, I, I love that. I also love the point about support. Like when I played support in season yeah, three. You're a dog. Yeah, my <laughs> life is true. My life was like, laning phase was the only time it felt powerful because, you know, early levels. You, Any, yeah. you can actually do stuff. Nami Zyra. and stuff. Zyra, you can like win lane. And then the moment you get out of laning phase, you complete your sidestone, and then all you do is save up money for an oracle. You buy the oracle, the enemy Ari jumps over a wall and one-shots you like two seconds later. You go back and you buy another oracle, and then you keep doing that for like 30 minutes, basically. There was also the, the bank build, where you go like Heart of Gold. Oh, yeah, gold, of course, you had a Heart of Gold like, Philosopher's uh, Stone. And then they took out Heart of Gold. Yes, yeah, fantastic. Then they were just like, what? <laughs> support, get items, remove this. That was, that was legit the support role, and now... When playing support, like supports are strong right now. You can do a lot of stuff yeah. with them. You can actually carry games on a support. And then people can also complain about that. I'm like, how is that a bad thing that supports can build items, be impactful, 
and it's actually I actually find support way more fun now to play yeah. than in the past when I mean okay it was really easy to get carried as a support because I'm like guys I got the oracle protect me I will kill these wards for us and then like look guys I'm part of the team and then Bjergsen would like kill someone in the side lane and I'd be like great go, good job everyone <laughs> thank god I'm on that oracle <laughs> yeah, I'm killing this ward over here just keep going you know but Apart from that, playing support kind of sucks. Wait, I'm sorry. Do we yeah. just confirm publicly that you were boosted into pro play? Is that, <laughs> it? Is that a secret? Or? <laughs> yeah, it's crazy because I remember the, the worst timeline possible was legit. It was like the battle of mid lane. It was like Ocelot, Tabs, Peke, and uh, Frogan. And it was like all the other players didn't matter. <laughs> no, it was, it was like, irrelevant. It, it was like Ari versus Fizz mid. He took Raptors. He took uh, uh, Wolves. And then I'm playing top. I'm level 9. I look at Ari. She's level 14. I'm like, Tabs, how is this? He's like, I'm even running XP quints. Like, okay, I'm not. I'm unimpactful. I'm useless. And that's that's the whole thing. I think one thing that I have never seen mentioned is that players are overall getting better too. Like if if for for some reason we our minds were teleported back to season two, we would dominate everything because we would like, yeah, you can actually gank top, you can dive top. It's like holy moly, we can actually do these you things. You can dive think, the tower. Yeah, yeah, I think those are things that are missed as well. People are getting better and are just abusing the simple points where you can transition. Oh, this guy's playing Aurelia top. He wants to one v one lane against so the he, jacks. You he, know? Here's the thing. This is an example of this. So, up until recently, I lived in silver. Uh, but now he's now I'm gold and I'm yeah. really proud of it and yes I used that to be <laughs> and yes I still suck but screw you guys I'm gold now and I earned that shit Kane every game let's go okay but I got flamed by a silver mid laner for invading when he didn't have lane pressure Whoa. he is silver mid laner he's like why did you invade my lane was not pushed I could not come I was like I played since season 2 no one has ever said it to me I, I was like Plat low diamond and people didn't say that to me in season three. They're like, dude, we watched LCS teams <laughs> mess that up. That's actually insane. People are getting better. Pit yourself smarter. on the back for that because you guys are the ones uh, educating people as well, right? I mean, I mean more deficient than. Whoa, whoa. Because he's, he's gold. But you call it. Every game okay, I whatever. play, <laughs> I educate people on why you should ban Kane, yeah. sheepy. I am a teacher. But I mean, obviously. Can so we repeat that he's gold? <laughs> just to turn the, the conversation to, to join the group of people saying, you know, they missed the early days of. I mean, there are things. Hard like, caring. Like, like, there's things I miss too. Yeah, sure. I mean, there's definitely parts of it where I can understand where the sentiment comes from. It's just, it's just very interesting to see how. These kind of topics can just snowball out of control so quickly. And it's the same with the whole, like, you know, League is dying kind of thing, where one statement and suddenly that's just that's just how it is now and everyone jumps on it. Um, that kind of discussion back and forth, I think it's good to have. And I, I, I mean, a small part of me do miss watching a Z in pro play walk around killing people left and right. But it's not just because Z and the game changed. It's also, as Yamato highlighted, People figured out, wait, there are ways to counter these champions because back in the day, most of the time you just played comfort. You was like, I'm a good Ari player, so I'm going to pick Ari here. Like we first picked Draven because Freeze was a Draven player. We didn't really think that much about does Draven counter the enemy comp or not? And the same thing with like Zed. We, I remember people like blind picking champions that would get destroyed by Zed and just like, okay, just log in Zed now. And it's the easiest game of his life. That has definitely change. There's a lot more scouting, a lot more coaching, a lot smarter players, so you can, can actually count bands now, so I can ban Zed every game. <laughs> there's also that, but then there's like 10 million shielding items, there's Tom Kench, like yeah, there's yeah, just a lot yeah. of ways to, you know, prevent an assassin from taking over. It's not just that the assassins got nerfed or the game 
uh, you know, moved away just from yeah. that being because in solo queue they're still viable. Yeah. Ari is back though. Ari is oh. that's strong. Let's go. Yeah, that game we played the other night where your significant other carried my butt because she just crushed on Ari. Yeah, that was yeah, good yeah. times. I enjoyed being carried. Good times. She's happy now. Ari won trick. I think I did well in the bottle in that game as well, didn't I? What did I play? I was bank playing. Yeah, you, were bank, yeah. you were losing hard, weren't you? <laughs> oh, yeah, against, what was it? Was it Trindle? Uh, it, 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 it was Lowey. It was Lowey. Was it Lowey? No, All right. It wasn't. No, it was Ergot. It was Ergot. Oh, yeah. 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 You, man. Okay. Was I do not understand Ergot at all. <laughs> I don't either. Thank God. Please never play him in pro play. I don't understand when he can trade, how he wins lane. He just, I just know whenever you go in, he kills you. I don't know how. I don't Except get it. For late game. I was happy he just didn't know how to last it. You know, zero <laughs> three. I'm twenty years ahead. Okay. All right. We yeah. take that. Cool. All right. Chief, you can join next time. Yeah, we're gonna get more games. Games are the best. He's gold now. I hear the exciting <laughs> stories of getting getting carried by Ari. That sounds good. Yeah, yeah. Good stuff. And Lux. There was a lot of getting carried. I got carried a lot, to be fair. Is that the new meta, Lux and Ari? No, I mean, it's... I mean, Ari's definitely... I'm gold. Good. I mean, you may have... It's definitely not good. <laughs> Every time. <laughs> We're trying to get gold and flex right. Q. I am gold and flex Q. Oh, I mean, plat. There you flex go. Q. That one. Okay, nice. All right. Anyway, this has been a wonderful discussion about League. I do feel like we should continue talking about the events at hand. So thanks, guys, for talking about EU Masters. Next up... Oh, I'd, one more point. No. Not, not about this. Okay, fine. One more. Uh, it's about, the, you know, we talk about scouting and Europe yes, and yes. Masters. Uh, I do want to just quickly chat about Korean imports. All right. mm. uh, because I think this is a big topic in Europe. Uh, going back one or two years, it was kind of the whole, you need Korean imports. You know, so many teams had one or two of them. Of course, Huni Rainover kind of started the whole thing. And I think we got spoiled a little bit. About how good it can be to have two Koreans uh, on Fnatic. And we and imported like, a lot. Of oh, Koreans. okay. We should all do that because that's great. Hachani, you know, uh, GBM, a lot of different names. Now, interestingly enough, Ruin. this split, uh, we've only we only have five Korean players uh, spring split in the EU LCS. Uh, Ruin, of course, from from Giants, yep. Profit and Blank from Rocket, Wadid from G two, and then Totoro from Unicorns of Love. So I want to turn to you first, Sheepy, because you know guys love in the past, you guys were like, we don't want imports, it can ruin communication and stuff. What yeah. changed now? I mean, it's I don't think that was Omar's point because there's the thing where he's talking about how we're gonna beat Koreans if we're gonna import like people that are below in rank and we don't have the infrastructure to build them up. Okay. It's just a very unlikely scenario to pick uh, players from their player base that are not in the LCK and then build them up with a worse infrastructure towards a, to become a better team when you have okay. communication issues and so on. So what Rumor's point was, that's just very unlikely, right? And that, that sentiment, like, I understand, makes logical sense. Um, changing for that is that uh, the culture in Korea compared to Europe is just so different. Like, you cannot understand, because we're joking around, we're having, like, a great jolly time, but... There's so much competition for being being in League of Legends, being mm -hmm, in the LCS mm -hmm. as well, and especially in Korea, like it's it's really like what Totoro or what I've we've worked with people before as well, right? With uh, Horo and with Move and with, with Veritas, who all come from LC uh, from Korea, and they all said, you know, like after, for example, Totoro, I think left the the school. I think it was about him that it, it's kind of like you wasted your education. Why are you doing esports? Unless okay. you make it, really make it, it's it's really like you're considered a loser. Like very, very 
crass. Okay. And so you really have to make it. You have to wake up every day early. You have to improve. Uh, you know, there's a strong bond with your family and uh, success overall in Korea. Like making careers, like very mm-hmm. big thing. Mm-hmm. Like people that have have great jobs are extremely respected. So yeah. Um, I just really like the culture. I really like the the mindset, and Totoro just fit in perfectly because he also had like this unicorn spark. Where I don't know if, how much people see Totoro because he's very you know, he's very shy and reserved. quiet. Yep. Uh, but he's learning English in like a, an extremely fast rate, and now he speaks like talkative English mm-hmm. with with all of us. And um, now I think it's 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 a way better fit for the team now that he speaks English and we're. Because his his mentality, he's the highest ranked right now from us. I think he was like rank five yesterday or something in solo queue. So he's working hard. He's communicating well. He has a really positive mindset and does well in League of Legends. So he just does everything that we and wanted. You picked him up because you felt like there were no, there weren't really good European options. Right? Exactly. So, yeah. Other, otherwise, we would have you know checked first in the in Europe, but there was nobody where we thought okay. you know he he could bring something in you because we had different options and our scouting I think is one of the best in Europe. I mean, just from how we always turned rookies into our like people that people didn't consider good mm-hmm. into like great players, and I think as well with them. And also, even though we ended like tenth place in this split, I don't think it really represents how it was how a tight split. I mean, there was you know the G two we were ahead and against Vitality, you know we had. I think every team had games like that where they're like ah yeah, like, yeah. Like, it was like it was so close in general yeah i think generally the lcs right now was really really close you know like 10th place team could easily be like in fourth place or something like this you know like there there was a lot of going on which is really interesting i think for the viewer as well because that was why you guys could yeah. have a great season i think uh, the main thing when it comes to koreans is uh, when i think about it I, i don't care if it's if a person is from korea nicaragua or whatever i see i look at a player for what it is And the things that are common with Koreans is that um, communication problems. There are European players that have communication problems. So I don't care about the nationality, right? There are uh, European players with great mentalities. There are Korean players with bad mentalities. That's something that I've witnessed. That's something mm-hmm. that I've seen. So it's not something that's like you take for sure. There are also Koreans that have good communication skills, like in the case of Fnatic, where Huni was someone that went through SKT tryouts And he was one of the ones that was uh, perceived as a player that SKT wanted to pick up at the time. And Rainover was someone that uh, spoke good English. So it was very good scouting from Fnatic. And of course, that was like, oh, wow, Koreans are so good. But in all honesty, you need to just look at it subjectively. Are you willing to bring in a player that um, uh, you need to judge them? You can't assume they have a great mentality. In uh, Korean solo queue, it tends to be more competitive, but at the same time, you can. it's a double-edged sword, right? People surrender early and there are things like that. Uh, but I think the way you have to view it is, are you willing to make this sacrifice or there are communication issues uh, for mentality things? And from my point of view, I think that these are two things that can be taught, but I don't speak Korean. So for me, it's much easier to work on someone's mentality than it is to uh, work on someone's English through Korean. I had the opportunity to work with um, Horo. Uh, and he was in SKT and he told me things that Koma did and that taught me a lot of things. And he was a person that didn't speak a word of English when he co- came to the house, but he was using a translator and he was very committed to the idea. And this, you know, I can't assume that every Korean player is going to work like this because it was an absolute pleasure to work with Horo. But I think the tendency is that the Korean players lean towards that because of culture, as you mentioned. But I think there are some scenarios where it's worse, some scenarios where it's better. 
And I think uh, the bottom line is you have to look at traits and attributes of players because there are European players that don't know how to speak in game two. And that's not a language barrier. That is just a barrier that, uh, it, that the outcome is that they don't speak. And that's also an issue, right, that you have to solve. So in the end, it's just about looking at players as if they're Pokemon cards or something and you just value attributes, you value risk and you just uh, make that uh, assumption. I don't care what country they are from because that to me is irrelevant. At the end of the day, it's just about valuing attributes and mm. uh, weighing them against each other. I think it's interesting to hear how that mindset has developed because I feel like there definitely was that period of time. I think we all witnessed it where it was just like import Koreans. Yep. Like don't, are they good? Is someone vouching for them that they're going to be good players? They're destroying us at every international event as a region. Like clearly, they're they're just better, right? And I think we had some lazy scouting. We had some. So I don't know who the guy is that was like recommending a lot of these players, but we had some. I mean, we had some bad imports, right? Like we had some real bad imports. Definitely. But I, it's just interesting because we now stepped away from it as a region with only five players left. And if you look at the six teams who made playoffs, G2 had Wadid who's a bit of an odd case because he speaks fluent English. He did from the get-go, and he never actually like got to play in the LCK. So while he's a Korean import, uh, for sure, it just he's he never had the communication issues that some of the other ones uh, had that you could look at as, as a trade-off. And then, of course, Rocket with Blank and, and Profit. Every other team just stuck to full European lineups. Uh, it's been very successful for a lot of them, like Splice, Vitality, Fnatic, just based on, on this specific split. So it's just... It's interesting to see if it if it made our region stronger. The team said, okay, we don't have to import if we don't 100% need it. Is it because we have more players to pick from? You know, the more you know, the more years go by, we just get a bigger talent pool, like with the Vitality yeah. players? I think there's two big factors. I think uh, in support of the idea of culture in Korea is that the structures are built upon this. And the structures have been around for a very long time in Korea. So SK Telecom, KT, they've been around for ages, right? And the structure has been built on top of this culture. So, of course, the organizations know how to push a player's mentality in the right direction. If you're an SKT, then you know shit is real. Like, you, mm -hmm. you wake up and you're like, I need to get good, otherwise I'm flying out the door, right? And that is a mentality that uh, has been, like, uh, in, in terms of speaking for the mentality, that is something that... You know, as Europe gets better and organizations get better, the coaches get better, then you can learn to create this mentality within your team. You don't necessarily need a culture to build on. You just need to make sure that this is what is necessary. You need to learn because this is something that I've noticed and something that I am constantly reading about, learning about. You can take from other sports, other ideas, because, you know, this is not something that just happens in Korea, right? There's uh, Western sports where everything is happening. Managers are creating winning mentalities and this is something that everyone is capable of so i don't think the bottom line is culture i think it's the question of an organization and then my second point would be the player uh, pool the player pool in europe is very large i think uh, it might be larger than korea so it just makes sense if if let's say 0.0001 percent of the player base in the region is good then it makes sense that uh, the teams or the regions with bigger player pools are going to be eventually better if all the other issues are ironed out. So let's say maybe in 20 years, China is going to be by far the best region because they have the biggest player pool. And I think it speaks to that as well because they have mechanical players that are insanely good, but you hear about the drama in China all the time, how they're controlling the teams, etc. And I think that is what is holding them back in the end. So I think player uh, is a good thing for Europe and also in the end, structures are also improving.
Is there anything else you want to add, Sheepy? Round out discussion on on the value of Korean imports, importing players in general, and kind of the the growth of Europe. I think everything has been said, you know. So I think we can move on. Our final topic of the day is MSI. Bit of a focus here on Fnatic as the European representatives with the all European cast. So let's talk a little bit about Fnatic's chances here at MSI. We already know four teams going to be at the top. We don't know the teams coming from plans, but Fnatic, Kingzone, Dragon X, Royal Never Give Up, and Team Liquid are all going to be playing to see who comes out on top. So from the Fnatic perspective, how good do we expect this team to be, let's say, compared to when they were playing at Worlds? I'm excited. Because the Worlds, you know, I was reviewing every single game, and I regret it to this day that I did, because it was <laughs> too exhausting. I think I still suffer from damage in my throat for it. But the main thing is, and my main criticism for how they played, was that they just refused to play through mid. The only thing that they did ever in the game was, oh, first clear, Roxxar maybe ganked top, but then he never yep. went there again. And then he lane ganked all the time through bottom, and then teams figured it out, and it was just very... It was just weak. The early game was very weak. And now, finally, after they crushed us in the semis, they've shown that uh, they know how to play through mid lane. And I think Caps is an amazing mechanical player. Maybe he's a bit too wild sometimes because he gets ganked. But I think the main thing is, as long as they have figured out how to play together, utilize Hillesang to pressure into mid as well, and use Soaz, his uh, identity of pressuring uh, as well uh, on the map, not necessarily into the lane, I think uh, with this new idea for Fnatic, I think they are much better uh, if I compare them to uh, what they used to be when they played at the World Championship. Mm-hmm. Sheepy, how do you feel about Fnatic right now? Are you as optimistic as Mr. Yamato can in here? I mean, they've definitely become better. I don't think he said, like, they're going to win the tournament or anything like no. this. Oh, I'm pretty sure that's what he said. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, you know, they are better than Ed Worlds, like, long time ago, which yeah. I agree with. And I think everything he pointed out is... So uh, how, what's what we think of Fnatic, you know? Then let's talk about the other thing that Yamato brought up, which is the kind of the skill of Caps. Uh, you know, is wild player sometimes. How how good is Caps really? How much better has Caps gotten? Because he's kind of the guy that I think we're always going to be looking at. It was him and Reckless that we we're always talking about. I mean, that was those were the two guys up for MVP of the split for sure. Um, how's he going to do up on the international stage? What does his progression look like? I think it's difficult to say because there's a lot of. Um, responsibility resting on their shoulders and I don't know how it works in like a team environment like generally Fnatic as a team for me is feels a little bit bumpy because there are so many different personalities with like different ideas like I know Hilly you know then Reckless and Source are also like they're kind kind of their own same for for Caps was like crazy wild Source is probably you know people you know it's just it's just so us. And then you have Broxer, who's like super nice guy and trying to uh, help everybody out. I don't know exactly how he fits into the entire world. Then you have um, Dylan and Youngbuck behind it as well, who I think also have like Youngbuck different experiences to Dylan. Mm-hmm. And although I I just have like the kind of feeling from all of the people, I don't know how well they are meshing together. And now in, in terms of how you're, how you're performing, I think that the stigma of Fnatic is that, you know, Reckless kind of over carries everything and then and wins the game through it. And but then, is that true without but that's, really that is really, that's really the question here, right? Like it's so hard to say because Reckless had such a grand performance, right? And if he's performing performing well, the entire team is doing well as well, right? And same for Caps, you know, if he's performing well, but he's going to face up against like the best mid laners in the world, right? 
I mean, I think when we look historically, I think there's a lot of truth to what you said because, I mean, Reckless brought up how uh, how difficult the team was in terms of, like, emotional and personalities interacting at last Worlds. But, I mean, yes. since then we've heard, I think, nothing but positive things. Um, Young Buck especially being praised repeatedly for kind of improving what was perceived and apparently perceived correctly, according to Reckless, as, like, a super negative, super emotional team atmosphere. Uh, I mean, we've heard consistently good things, that the, the players are no longer mad at each other and frustrated with each other, that they have kind of a system in place where where it's much, much healthier. But I want to hear more about Caps, because the question was, how good is Caps now? I think uh, Caps, the, the story of Caps, there was once, uh, like when he started playing, I said he's the best mid laner in Europe. And people were like, well, you, you're ridiculous. Because the reason I thought so was because the way he plays is that he's uh, always, always pushing boundaries. Usually when you have players like Perks and maybe Nuktak, they're playing more tempered. They've they've reached their peak and they know where their peak is. And Caps, we don't know where his peak is at yet because he's playing in such a way where he's willing to take those risks that the more tempered players aren't willing to take. And I think uh, in the matchup against Perks, uh, uh, against uh, G2, I think he showed up big time. Mm-hmm. When he had the better matchup, uh, the, the the team with the Karma mid lane just lost to 2v2, uh, post six uh, naturally, right? But whenever he had the stronger matchup, he could really, really abuse it. I think mechanically, he's super, super talented. And the main thing is, I think he's finally playing smarter than before. I think he's playing on the side lane. He's uh, willing to uh, expand his horizons beyond just being the one that clears mid lane. And I think that frees up a lot of space for Reckless to play other champions. And I really think the whole playing smarter is the big thing because I remember... Last year when Caps joined Fnatic and obviously preparing for for the split, I had to f- learn about this player. He'd, he'd been in Turkey for one split and, and that was effectively it. Um, and it's very rare when you talk about a new player coming into the LCS that you hear the same thing from like every single player you talk to, no matter which team he's on. And it was just, this guy is mechanically so insane. Like he can win any lane matchup. He can carry games so, so hard. And it really like instantly made me super excited because when I hear so many players praise that one aspect, I just think back to some of the few really great players who just stood above the rest in terms of, of that uh, aspect of the game, like the pure mechanics and the carry potential. So obviously watching him in the first split, we had, I think, one of his first games, we had you know the outplays against perks and these kind of things. And it was like, oh my God, this is so hype. But obviously because the team didn't function very well and because Caps was not a smart player at all in terms of what he needed to do as a mid laner. Uh, he just got cammed and he just died to everything. He didn't know what to do in the side lane. Like There was just a lot of times where he ended up looking a lot worse because it's a team game, obviously. But I feel like that one year where he still managed to go to Worlds, he still managed to play two playoffs in the EU LCS. And now with the changes Fnatic have made to the coaching staff, we're just seeing that more structured team and he's a much smarter player after one year uh, in the LCS. And he still has the same mechanics, which are really, really good on his side. And that's why Fnatic now have been able to rely consistently on him and then, of course, Reckless. Yeah. And that's kind of the thing about this Fnatic team. And I would say one of my concerns now, I know you guys were praising Fnatic coming into this, but... I am concerned that it's too much about late game with Caps and Reckless. Um, uh, they fell behind in the finals against like G2. We've seen them fall behind in the in, in the EU LCS, but they they come back because they they stall well and then they punish you around like a Nashro. They take a big fight. Reckless gets a pentakill and it's like, okay, Fnatic for sure now wins this game. 
I think the teams you're going to see at MSI will be way better at snowballing an advantage than we see from G2 Esports in, in the final we had. And generally also just team fight a lot better in the late game. Like RNG with Uzi and Zhao Hu can 100% match Fnatic late game. 100%. Of course. And I, I think the, the main question is when it comes to Fnatic, what mentality did they have coming into the match against G2? Because if I view that matchup, it's like if you reach a point where AD Carry has three items. Yep, you win. And you win. You automatically win. Yep. You saw this from the game one. Karma mid lane. Yep, yep, it's yep. like, what the hell is going on? Karma, Braum, full scaling, losing every matchup, but doesn't matter because they will reach a point where they will just outscale the enemy. And G2 were ahead. They didn't execute. They played horribly with 6k gold lead. They were forcing Nashers with Ryze, Gangplank, and I wanted to like, ah, grab the microphone and throw it into something. But of course, I think it's a question of mentality because Fnatic, for example, when they played against us, they were contesting us very hard oh, yeah. in the early game. And I, I considered us as the team that played the best early game in this split. And they contested us really, really hard and they beat us at it. So I think it's a question of mentality. And I think coming into a tournament with these teams, if they don't have what you're saying and they think that they can go late game against RNG, then, you know, they can or just... King Zone, yeah, that's going to be a problem you know, as well. Good luck in esports. The question is, yeah, is it like their their only strategy that they're, they're going to feel comfortable with? Or is it their their strongest strategy that they have to use every game? Or is there more flexibility there? And I think you're right, Yamato, that they did show more in your series. And that kind of gives me confidence. Because I think if you look at it, right, like, yeah, it's not the most exciting way for Fnatic to, uh, to win a final, right? Going late game every single game uh, from a viewer perspective. But if they really believe that that was their best strategy against G2... Of course, G2, yeah, yeah. And that, it was, right? Yeah, and They're still deciding who's playing for top lane, right? Vipo or I think Source. so, yeah. yeah. Not logged in. Which, which is kind of concerning as well, right? Because you're playing against really, really, really good top laners. You know, some being also a little bit more confident. Sending Europe's best top laner. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and now we have two of them, so we have to decide now, like, who, who's going. So I mean, you get like, number yeah. one and number two, though. So, so I mean, exactly, <laughs> yeah, the, the difference is a little small. So I have a question, though. Uh, which patch are they playing on? Is it Conqueror or non-Conqueror? Uh, definitely it's Conqueror. Conqueror. Yeah, oh, it's for sure. Okay. So. Uh, that, that makes a huge difference, too. Because top lane will be carry-oriented more. Yeah, yeah. Holy moly. Do you think we'll see that? Do you think we'll see more carry orange tops? Because, I mean, yes. if that's the case, then we've got Khan. <laughs> exactly. That, that's what I'm saying. Like, Khan was also like, I'm going to crush these fools, you know? And it's so I, funny I think. Because, like, historically, like, we've always, like, the mid lane has always been the thing, and it's been mid lane difference. And it's almost, I can't really think of too many times at top or at, at worlds or international tournaments where it's like, the top lane was the kind of lane where if you were way better than your opponent, you could solo carry. But game. I think that two years ago, there was kind of the case where it was like Fiora, Darius, <laughs> oh, yeah. top lane. And oh, if yeah, Fiora sure. got, went through laning phase, she was just like assassin, assassinating your backline and like solo carrying fights. But we had Conqueror at EU Masters. We did. And we didn't just see... We saw a lot of tanks. ...carry top lanes. There were still a lot of tanks being played, like Cho'Gath, Orn, Maokai, Cyan, of course was played a ton at EU Masters. Like, I'm not locked 100% that the meta is going to be just carry top. I mean, there's still, like, tanks that are just doing well. Like, Cyan this has been, like, everybody's picking I mean, Cyan. because Orn it's just, is, like, almost Orn always well, there, you know? Right. Shogath, too, but still, like, those champions, if you are mechanically gifted, you can just get so much out of them because they do so much. Right, you can push side lanes, you can assassinate back... Uh, even team fights, mm -hmm. you know, champions like uh, Camille... If you're coming from a flank position and you're just pressuring the backline without them being able to commit, like it's really hard to play. So, yeah, they they just have such a big upside in this world. Like if you start snowballing, it's so hard to shut down. 
I think it's uh, a question of oh, is it eight point eight to playing on? So current live patch. Irelia is in the picture as well. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I think uh, it, it might be. I, th I think usually uh, top lane meta is centered around one champion. So for example, Sion dictates everything. But when Sion is out, then it also changes everything mm -hmm. because it's like Sion. Oh, we pick Orn into Sion. Tank we tank. Blah blah blah. And Sion beats all these conqueror uh, champions by far. And when that champion is out of the picture, all of a sudden the landscape changes completely. And maybe then Irelia is going to be the champion that is viable. And then all of a sudden we might be seeing a different meta. And I think uh, that the main uh, reason I brought up Conqueror is that it's a cause for speculation. Yeah. They might figure True. something out that we don't think about right now. Maybe the European master teams simplify because usually when teams are worse, like we saw in regular split for us in EOCS, people would just play the teamfight compositions because that's just the easy way to execute. You know, spit pushing with uh, a Fiora and a Darius and Aurelia, that is pretty tricky to do. It creates uh, this uh, pressure that doesn't need to be there if you just play the teamfight composition. And we're seeing a tournament at the highest level, like Khan, is going to bust that champion out if it's going to be good. True. Yeah, I mean, that's why, again, it's... like I really struggle to predict how Fnatic will do uh, at this tournament just because I feel like the main strength of Fnatic was that late game. In the EULCS, yes, it was just the safest way. Uh, I think Dylan Falcon in an interview also said, like, in the best of one scenario, this is just the safest way to play the game. You mentioned now the team fight comms. Uh, I feel like the teams they're going to play against, especially Kingzone and RNG, can more than match them when it comes to that late game. You don't have that duo carry advantage when it's Prey, BDD, and Uzi, Xiaohu on, on those two other teams. And I think that's really interesting because if you're looking at Europe at the competition, like Fnatic is one of the teams where every player is like really standout player, right? Source with a, with a really good TP is always being able to escape. Really solid landing phase can also win. Like he, when he plays Orn with Ignite, he just gets solo kills as well. <laughs> Then you have Caps, you know, super mechanically gifted. Reckless is doing fantastic uh, in laning first, but more so, like, later on his positioning in, yeah, in teamfights yeah. is just so good. And he's on the same page as the rest. Broxler just holds everything together. So if you look at, like, a team like G2 or anybody else in Europe, where there's always, like, a weakness or something that just doesn't hold up, and then they, they just fall apart, especially, like, teamfighting with Reckless. Just the way that you can't catch him, but he's dishing out so much damage is just really, really hard to deal with. But I, I think in the... Like carry carry wise to match them, I, I I really think that Fnatic will start struggling because they need to look towards the other players to outweigh the enemy in like other positions than just mid lane and ADC. I think the main thing is when you reach a point where you play, uh, for, uh, like when you play uh, these international tournaments, then you can't rely on these cheeky things like we are late game team. No no no, you have to be good at everything. You have to be good at every part of the game, otherwise you get demolished. And that's what the competition that they're facing. Kingzone is good at freaking everything. <laughs> and that's why they are considered the best team in the world. And I think Fnatic, I think this is the most well-rounded they've been since uh, yeah. Huni and Rain over. Mm -hmm. And I think that is what is uh, s supporting my idea of Fnatic doing well in this tournament. I think uh, they don't have a standout issue, as you mentioned. And I think um, when it comes to uh, their... Uh, cheeky things like oh late game whatever or reckless standing out that doesn't matter jack in this tournament he's facing prey uzi and who else double lift. double lift like th this difference is going to be uh, like it's going to be insane to watch these players play against each other but the difference is is not going to be like reckless only nining might happen a game maybe a two for but, sure uh, for sure uh, and that's i mean there's obviously going to be two teams no because there's going to be two teams coming from play-ins 
Um, I think personally, when we look at the six teams who will then make uh, it to the main group stage, mm-hmm. I think this is the easiest time for the four major teams, like four major regions, so the NA team, the Chinese team, the Korean team, and the European team to make top four. Last year, there was a lot of stuff that could happen because flash rolls were in there with you know Kaza, Mabel, these guys. Gigabyte Marines were, were really surprising us and doing well. Gigabyte Marines, are, they're gone. Like They're not going to be a thing here. And flash rolls, while they still have some of the old names, they were already trending downwards. If you look at the last like one and a half years, Kaza is no longer there You know, as, as one of the big standouts if you look at this team over the last three years. So... I look at the playing teams and, and that pool is a lot weaker than it's one it's been in the past. So I think if you are one of the four major regions, like you have to be able to make top four and go to go to playoffs. It is such a disappointment with the pool we have now if you do not manage to, to, to lock that in. Uh, I know also the teams already, you know, Team Liquid, I think, is already in Europe mm-hmm. practicing, getting used to the jet lag, the environment, everything. So there really will be no excuse to not make top four. So now we're at the point where I think we just got to lay it out and put some predictions on the table. So today I want everybody's top four for who is going to make it out of groups. Now I know that we do not have the uh, the two teams that are coming in from from some of the emerging regions and from the people who are playing in the play-in, but I asked everybody ahead of time. Everyone said they were okay with that. But before we do predictions, let me lay out some stakes. So for those of you listening at home, we're going to be doing a sumo battle gauntlet tournament for this bet. This was, this was a little weird. I mean, to be honest, we made this up over the course of the day. But basically, if you've ever seen those sumo suits that people will, like, wrestle in, there's, like, team-building yeah. team exercises for corporate events, maybe sporting events, you know, wherever they... So, basically, it's just a giant fat suit, <laughs> and you run at each other, and you try to push each other out of a ring. And so how this is going to work is the person with the most correct predictions will be number one at the top of our sumo tournament, or on top of our LCK-style gauntlet of sumo tournament. And we will go down through there uh we will record this whether we use full cameras and make it into a feature i don't know it might just be phone videos from all of our various social medias but everybody will predict the person in fourth place has to try to battle through all three other people all three to see if we can win the to, whole to thing. make it to the top it's of the like extra weight suit and like, and what we're predicting is basically who's going to be number one, number two, number three, three number, number four. four based on just the group stages of just the, the group stages yes now, we'll also make a trophy because this is the most ridiculous bet we've ever had. So, <laughs> personally, I, I, we'll figure it out. We're going to make, make it a trophy. Yourself. We'll make it ourselves. It'll be the the. Well, then I want to lose because I want to play for the trophy. No, but you're going to win it no matter what. first place because oh. it's an LCK style game. So yeah, you're only going to have to win one, one match then. If, you, if you're the best you're the, predicting. You're the oh. Euphoria MSI sumo so champion. I'm, so, so, the person is Kingzo. Basically, yeah, you go okay. straight to the final. I have to face someone who's been battling through the rest. I think warming up in that fat yeah. suit is, is clutch. You, might, you can start them. All right, give no, us right. your one to your top four. Right, one to four. I think uh, this is only groups. Only, only groups. groups. Because I think the strength is different. I think uh, King Zone is going to be first place. Ooh. Ah, surprise. Because, yeah. because things, yeah? yeah. Everyone knows. All right, King Zone. Second place, I think Fnatic. Not because I think they're the second best team at the tournament. It's because RNG, I think they're going to drop best of ones. I have looked time and time again at uh, some other matches and their drafts are just, there's no other, sometimes they're just plain oink. You know, they're just, <laughs> it just blows my mind. I, it, the, the game they lost against EDG was like, they have Kogma, Rakan against Caitlyn. 
why are you even playing the game? You know, just go next. And the same thing was happening last year uh, when RNG played the EDG in the finals. The, the drafts were just, what is going on? And sometimes I think that costs some games. But I think in best of five scenarios, I think they can adapt. And I think they're going to be the second strongest team in the tournament during the course of that. Uh, but during best of ones, I think they're going to fall to fourth place. And I think Liquid is going to be third. Ooh, I think. Okay. okay. That's spicy. Who wants? To, I like that. Who wants to go next? You want to go, Sheepy? Uh, I will take it. So I think King's Zone as well. That's the number one. I think they're just oh, too you solid. Steal my shit, man. <laughs> <laughs> number two, Fnatic, because... No, I'm just kidding. Um, I think number two is uh, RNG. I have a little bit more faith. Even though that national, you know, internationally, China always had like those hiccups. Like so many times, LPL, even in Worlds, it's just Sandbagging, like... Sandbagging, I think we call sandbagging. it. Sandbagging. <laughs> okay, styling on people. <laughs> But uh, that's not, you know, I, I hope that they learn from it. I, I think that overall, because they have such star players and veterans as well, I think they should be more accustomed to it as well. I, I think it's the time where, you know, LPL should know, they should try in the, in the group phase, especially after I tweet to them and tell them that it's like... It's important it's for It's important the at this point. Exactly. Didn't this meme die with last year's Worlds, though? Like with World Elite and RNG performance, EDG is always like, yeah, okay. Yeah, no <laughs> EDG is the meme, you know? Yeah, the meme is mostly for EDG. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know, I hope, you know, the trend is upwards. Right, right, you the, got the trend RNG is second. definitely you got RNG. NAEU. Then. then obviously uh, Fnatic, because European pride. And puts then him in third. That's, got it. that's how far pride gets him. <laughs> got it. But that's all the, the pride I can give. And then, yeah, number 14, Liquid. I think Fnatic is, you know, probably at. The second strongest after the you know with the the Huni and okay okay all right I got to go next because Martin we're running out of potential combinations and I'm gonna take the last one uh, that doesn't involve but so I'm gonna take <laughs> King's Own first oh because I'm uh, not insane uh, I'm gonna put oh no God how do you do this come on Gold Cane. This is my. Give me that team liquid. How my mind yeah, works. Team North American. I'm, I'm playing trader. like I play Kane. I'm farming for eight minutes, and then I'm getting my transformation. <sighs> I'm the king of killing raptors. All right, King's Zone take it, and then I'm gonna say easily. I'm gonna say fanatic. Easily. Whoa. R easy second. RNG are gonna get get third, and Team Liquid is gonna get fourth. And now my logic is, NA greater than. Is not greater than EU. EU greater than NA. Jesus. Almost. But I do think that Fnatic will outperform RNG overall. I think they'll be more consistent. And I think that if anyone's going to drop teams, drop games to the play-ins teams, it will be RNG. That said, nobody disappoints at an international event like North America, so they will definitely be fourth. All right. I'm going RNG first. Listen, it's a mess. It's all over the place. Uh, like, one game in the LPL, like, it looks awesome. It's fantastic. The next game, I have no clue what's happening. But that has been the trend for years. You want the sumo. These guys <laughs> with Uzi Zhaohu. They will show up. Also, I like the fact that I, I'm not sure if it's confirmed yet who they're bringing as a sub. But I at least the uh, Leakpedia says it's uh, the two top laners they're bringing. So there could be some spicy stuff happening up there as well. And I think, so Anji gets first. It's best of one. Yes, they might oink certain drafts. But I put my faith in them not doing it here. Uh, second, I'm going to put King Zone. Third, I'm going to put Team Liquid. Mm. And fourth, I'm going to put Fnatic. 
Whoa. Did you uh, just put Europe in number four? I know, disgusting. Do you hate Europe? Uh, yes. I'm <laughs> sorry, do you not understand this is called the Euphoria Podcast? <laughs> do you understand the E and the U are sometimes capitalized? Uh, do you yeah, know why? I, I just I just need to see how Fnatic wants to approach this tournament uh, in terms of playstyle. Do they want to go all in for early game? Is it like, you know, camp for caps 24-7 or something? Or or is it is it still going to be late game focused? Because if it is pure late game, I think most of the other teams will, will match them uh, on that one. So I'm putting them forth. Uh, also, because then I think we have Fnatic on three different positions, which is cool. Uh, and technically, none of us can lose because we all get to wrestle in sumo suits. Exactly. Yes. And the one who starts early has more experience by the end of the tournament. He's warmed so, up. So he's more likely to win. By, by the way, like most of our bets, we have not planned any of this logistically ahead of time. We're just like, we're going to do this thing. We can make it happen. So we're going to figure that out. We'll keep you guys updated on, on the sumo bet to follow. But one more time, I'm just going to go through everybody's... Uh, everybody's predictions and correct me if I'm wrong as we go through so we'll start with your motto King Zone first no. <laughs> <laughs> I've, oh, I've it decided again. it has to be <laughs> King Zone first Fnatic second Team Liquid third fourth RNG he thinks he did clarify that he does think that RNG will be the second best team at the tournament we don't care about that stuff so. I'm gonna give him a little credit he, Supermassive he took the fifth <laughs> there you go Sheepy King Zone RNG Fnatic Team Liquid representing me, Kingzone, Fnatic, because I love Europe, unlike some people. Very good. RNG in third place, Team Liquid in fourth. Deficio, RNG, Kingzone, Team Liquid. And in a staggering, <laughs> staggering turn of events that literally no one expected, Fnatic fourth. I mean, why just not say it's going to be whatever playing team comes <laughs> in? <laughs> Fnatic won't even make top six. There we go, man. Part of me believes in the RNG thing, though. I mean, I, I just feel like... Especially Uzi on the international stage. And now he finally won his trophy as well. Do you see how happy he was lifting that trophy? He didn't even know how to grab the trophy at first because he's no experience. <laughs> but in the end, I think RNG uh, can actually do well. But they're just, it's just a wild card in, in, in some ways. Team Liquid. Do you actually think that Team Liquid, if they would play a best of five against Fnatic, would win? Like, is Team Liquid the better team than Fnatic? Ooh, now you're putting me on the oh, spot. Oh, one there. more, one more. Yes. The or do you final, not stand oh, behind? Final them. question to end the day. Yes. Does Team Liquid is Team Man, Liquid better than Fnatic in the best of five? I no. think I think Team Liquid. They look good coming into the tournament, but I have too many questions also regarding a lot of their players who's on the international stage in the past have just looked fine and not like fantastic. Um, so I think Team Liquid have good macro, they have good preparation. Will they beat Fnatic in the best of five? Uh, I plead the fifth. I do not <laughs> want to answer. I don't that. plead the fifth. They're gonna get Wait. smashed. What the hell? They're gonna get smashed. That's gonna be it. I say five games. Have you seen Caps? Have you seen Poe Belter? The difference is in favor of Caps, but not by that much. Poe Belter like, played well. X Smithy, well. man. Have you seen X Smithy? That's true. I have. I, yeah, I've seen Broxa too. Now I love Broxa. He has been getting better, but X Smithy is definitely a house for sure. He's a house. That's it. He's a house. Brick house. He's yes. a brick house. It goes to five games. Hey, I would say. Do you do you have two minutes? I have one Twitter question. I really yes, want to ask. One Twitter question. We did okay. ask Twitter questions. Sorry, we haven't gotten more in. It's been a very. I mean, we kind of had some of it in the yeah, answers we mixed earlier. It in, but yeah, um, give me one more. So. This is a question um, from a guy called Daniel. Um, Damn, Daniel. Yeah, at Daniel, N-A-T-S-Y-M. He asks, imagine you are coaching a team consisting of one diamond player, one plat, one gold, one silver, and one bronze. And you're going up against a full gold lineup. On what position would you put which player? So it's important here to think. 
let's just say they can all so play. Minor, you're playing against five role. gold players. One of them okay. could or could not I'm be ready. a cane one trick. You don't know. Uh, and then you get to yeah. They can all play everything and every role equally the same. So one diamond player, one plat, one gold, one silver, one bronze. I'm, Where I'm, do you position them yeah. on the map? This was kind of on Reddit right. too, for those okay. who are wondering. This was a I put the bronzy on Maokai Duri. So he's top lane. He's just sending him top. He's an island. He, he might be behind. Will He will be for sure. So what do you, what do you him. tell him when you give him out? You say, just don't die. Good luck. Just <laughs> die as little as possible and uh, good luck in esports. Okay. And then I put my diamond player in the mid lane. Okay. Because if we have mid prior, we can impact everything. We can even save the bronzy up top, you know, no problem. And uh, I put the platinum uh, together in the jungle so we can play together with the mid laner. What a synergy. He can, diamond, diamond player can tell him, like, yeah, you just. Uh, just commit. He's like, oh, I understand this. Yeah, prior I mean, pressure. So it's so like if diamond the diamond player elaborates on something, uh -huh, he can uh -huh, understand. Uh -huh. You know, that's the connection I see there. And then in the bot lane, we have the gold and silver. They are the they are close knit together, so they've experienced the same type of bullshit, and they're facing a gold gold. So I think they'll be, be fine. That even. it will be pretty even. And with the mid prior, we can transition that and eventually carry. What kind of dual lane do you pick? Dual lane. Uh, I would pick something that uh, I would go the fanatic route. I would either go uh, Zyra Khan, probably too complicated for gold and silver, but I would probably do like Brom, Brom Ezreal, Brom Tristana, something like that, the scales, Brom Save. Kate. Just Brom. Mm. Uh, Brom is the one. Brom is in there. Okay, okay, Sheepy. Uh, sounds good. I, I would have <laughs> literally said the same because I think it goes all over mid lane prior. What if I force you to change? You cannot do that. Your diamond player cannot no, uh, play. He's better. He's better. Okay. better. You now have to play against Yamato's team. Yamato's team. Who has assigned a bronze player top lane, a platinum jungler, a diamond mid laner, and a gold like, and silver bottom. I go, well, you have the same options. No one. send the diamond I the send bronze. the diamond into the <laughs> So you have a diamond top <laughs> laner. He's playing Aurelia. This just make his life super miserable in top lane. Um, probably diamond in jungle. Oh, diamond in the jungle. Yeah. Is this against the gold team or Yamato's team? Both. Okay. Okay. Because I think mid lane is important, but if I put the diamond in jungle and then I just, you know, he makes like some great, interesting invades, then he can just shut down the uh, the enemy because he's stronger and better. You're he's one lot from diamond jungle. <laughs> yes. Well, compared to your to your you platinum, to gold. he's compared to gold, right? Okay. Yeah. Platinum, platinum, okay. I think in this yeah. case. Next position. So then he would just snowball everywhere. Then top lane probably the silver because if his top lane is bronze and mine is silver, therefore I can get it. You know, even though it's like a silver, I can get so much. You know, he's gonna pick Darius, try to all in a Maokai under tower and die, right? <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> I ban Maokai, Cyan, and like anything tank or oh, something. Okay, so like we have Maokai. we have diamond jungler, we have silver top laner, yes, mid laner, gold. You would your gold one in mid against the diamond <laughs> mid laner? I mean, oh, there's no right what else choice. is that? Platinum? <laughs> the platinum. I put the platinum in, and then bot lane is like gold, and the supporters bro. <laughs> He plays Janet. And the, he, plays he pushes e. W <laughs> and he pushes E. And, and I look at him and I'm like, just put the shield on the AD carry. See the creeps? You stand behind them. Yes. And you shield that guy. Oh. See, the interesting thing about that question also is like, you know, the bronze player is always the kind of the big, you know, where do you where do you put this person? Interestingly enough though. Like I know a lot of bronze player, a uh, bronze players. You know, yeah, a lot of the the. How seen do you know that? Ah, yeah, yeah, exactly. A lot of good guesses. A lot of like yeah, the people behind the camera and our production teams, they tend to play in, uh, down in bronze. And interestingly enough, mechanically, most of them are actually fine. No, I don't remember. The problem is the decision making in game. So on a team like this, as long as you put them with someone who can tell them 
what to do and what not to do in the game, they might actually be okay. Especially like the Maokai up top lane should Or the Jenna okay. bronze bot lane. Fair also for support. Because it there's makes not sense. much decisions you can do with Jenna. Uh, you can trade really effectively. <laughs> or you can not trade not effectively. Not when you're bronze. Not if you're bronze. Okay, okay. So that's interesting. I'm glad we got that. So there you go. Daniel, thank you for the question. I don't know why it was hard for me to remember. That's my name too. But uh, yeah, thank you for the question. We'll get more questions in the future. And of course, thank you guys for coming onto the podcast, talking. I look forward to our sumo tournament. It is now currently in the works. We have asked yeah. about the fat suits. We will I'm, get them together. I'm going to work out for this, man. I know. I don't think you're supposed to. How much does your wait, actual body strength matter when you have that the, suit on? Yeah, the question is, if you're working out for sumo tournament, are you getting fatter or are you getting... <laughs> no, no, <laughs> you're putting on the fat suit. So I don't yes. know. I you, think it's, it's in the legs, no? I'm going to do a little squat. I think it's the legs. My legs are good. Mm. Just get like 200 pounds I or something. I have thighs like Chun-Li. <laughs> I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm actually sad to watch Dandy as well. I had another great question I wanted to ask. No. But no, I will no, not do no, it. Stop. The only, thing, the only thing in the question that was so funny was that it was specifically directed at Yamato Cannon. What's up? And it was just... Uh, don't answer because we actually done. It was. It literally went like this. Always working around it, it, it literally went like this. It went <laughs> like, ask Yamato Cannon and only Yamato Cannon, not Sheepy, why and how he is so handsome. Oh. So I take that as the person considers Sheepy not as handsome or, or handsome at all. I'm in a different league. Or you're way more <laughs> handsome. Exactly. They asked you specifically not to answer. They did not want you to answer. Okay, it was like only the models. Eat your veggies. Go to school. (laughs) There you go. Go to sleep early. There you go. This has been Euphoria Podcast. It's episode 12. 12. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you guys next week. We will have another episode. Sorry for the inconsistency. No, we had a break. Was that inconsistent? Yeah, I mean, we didn't really tell people how long we were going to go. We had one tweet. All right, we're done. We're done. (laughs)